I'm Trey Briggs, and this is Call Center Confidential. Hello, and welcome back to Call Center Confidential, the podcast that is a conversation about conversations. My name is Trey Briggs, president of BCI, found at bci-fit.com, and I hope you're doing well today, wherever you might be. I'm in Boston, and the weather is mild, which is nice. And you know, this podcast is not only a conversation about conversations, but it's really for those who are dissatisfied with their agent's performance on the phone. And today, we're going to discuss the role of agents in the QA or training process and the performance management process as well. And it's a role that cannot be underestimated. Any program expected to accomplish significant things must be wholly centered on the agents. It's all about them. For BCI, our relationship with our agent trainees is special. Everything we do is focused on them. We know we must keep them happy (laughs) for us to be successful as a company. There are two primary considerations in a successful QA training process that keeps agents happy. One, the agents must believe in what a program is asking of them. And two, the program can have no holes or weaknesses that agents can exploit. Problems with either of these will render a program ineffective. I'm going to start with an exploration of the second consideration first, which is a QA program can have no holes or weaknesses that agents can exploit. It is essential to understand that the purpose of QA training is to hold agents accountable for certain behaviors or behavioral standards, and the mechanism for enforcing this accountability is, of course, a scoring process. Scoring processes happen to be, though, the biggest weaknesses in today's common QA approaches, including digital ones, and they are the biggest reason QA programs fail. To set this up a bit, it is essential to understand that underperforming or lesser skilled agents are prevalent throughout today's call center industry. As such, the primary function of any QA process must be to turn these poor performing agents into skilled professionals who deliver consistent excellence. Otherwise, what is the point of having a QA program in place? (laughs) If a program cannot do this, it is failing, because the most basic function of any QA process is to fix the lowest performing agents. This is because these low performers are the ones causing most of the call center's problems that negatively affect customers or patients. Such agents come in various forms. Some are shy or lack confidence. Some do not know how to perform competently and are unaware that they are not doing so. (laughs) And some see themselves as order takers, not customer service agents. They're to help, but not to serve. And there is a big difference between those two approaches. Such agents typically have decent attitudes, but need much hand-holding to teach them how to perform at a high level. They may be slightly reluctant initially, but typically come around. And at BCI, we find these agents easy to work with as we transform them into top performers. But the other type of agent 
is the problem, children. (laughs) And a QA's program's ability to handle these agents is perhaps the most accurate measure of its quality and effectiveness. Such agents have underlying issues that must be addressed. Some examples include that they do not like their job and wish they were somewhere else. (laughs) Do not like serving people and resent being in the position of having to do so. That's a common one. I see it all the time. Or they are seemingly unhappy with their lives and convey this in the form of general grumpiness (laughs) to customers or patients. Such agents could not care less (laughs) about performing in a quality manner and are typically quite adept at conveying this lack of caring in highly subtle, nuanced, and passive-aggressive ways that can be challenging for an untrained or non-expert ear to pinpoint. Confronted with a QA process intended to positively impact their behavior, such agents' first order of business is typically to seek and then exploit the program's weaknesses. The fact is that every agent will typically find the program's flaws, if there are any, but it is particularly handy for problem agents as it helps them to discredit the program so they can use it as an excuse to shirk their responsibilities. (laughs) But keep in mind that even the best agents can be demoralized by a QA program weakness. So, what are some of the things about QA programs agents exploit or point the finger at? Well, the main one is scoring parameters, and I will discuss that right after this. Okay, so... As a small example of how scoring parameters can cause big problems, let's say the problem agent Amy (laughs) gets a less than perfect score, say 78% or 7 out of 10 on her warmth level. Now keep in mind BCI does not use this type of scoring process, but let's just say that's what happens to Amy. Well, if Amy contends that she feels she is perfectly warm, it would be reasonable for her to demand to be shown precisely where she lacked warmth. If the QA program cannot pinpoint the exact moment or moments where, in a call or cause, she lacked warmth and show them to her, Amy has found a major weakness in the program that allows her to legitimately question the program altogether. After all, how can you give an agent a score that is not perfect while unable to show them precisely why? That doesn't make any sense. Amy can then move forward with the claim that the program is unfair and lacks transparency, and she can reasonably exploit this flaw by refusing to support or participate fully in the QA process. This flaw has suddenly created a big headache for management and could do so for human resources too, by the way. What if superstar and model agent David who strives to always be the best, is given a less-than-perfect score on something. Well, from my experience, he obviously would want to know why his score was less than 100%. And common QA programs that I've seen do not have the ability to do that for him, which can only be demoralizing for David 
and lead him to question the program's legitimacy as he strives to be a model employee. That's not good. (laughs) I mean, what is the manager supposed to tell David? That Susan in QA decided his engagement level, let's say that was one of the parameters, was 8 out of 10, and he's just going to have to accept it, even though he thought his engagement level was perfect. And Bill in QA typically scores him less severely than Susan. And Susan cannot pinpoint where he lost 20% on his score or offer a solution so that he can fix it to get a 100% score next time? That it is just her opinion? Or that the digital program just concluded he deserved 87% on politeness and he's just going to have to live with it and get over it and accept it? All that is is shoving aside the concerns of agents. And you can't do that. They are the kings and queens, and they must be treated as such. The way we assess agent performance, for example, involves highly detailed scrutiny of every second, every tone nuance, every word, and every conversational context of an agent's call. Our reports are typically two to three pages long. Each of them are actually customized training guides that are put together based on what happens in each particular call. And we use no checklists, 1 through 10 or 1 through 5, or yes or no, non-applicable scoring systems, or digitally constructed percentage scoring. (laughs) What we do goes way, way beyond those approaches. In our reports, we provide complete transparency with a detailed explanation for every judgment we place on everything an agent does, both good and bad. And we provide detailed direction on how the agent is to fix anything we identify as something they need to change in their approach. And when the agents get their BCI reports, they go over them with a fine-toothed comb, believe me, (laughs) which we encourage them to do to try to find any mistake we may have made. Our accuracy level is near perfect, however, as it must be, and this provides a way for us to earn their respect as well. So we're putting the onus on ourselves and our accuracy, the detail and the quality of what we're reporting on their performance, as we're putting the onus on them for performing flawlessly. So it creates an equilibrium of onuses, if you will, <laughs> which is really helpful. It's kind of like reverse psychology. By encouraging agents to try to find any mistake we may have made, we get them to study their report and absorb the details of what we are teaching them in that report so that they then go back and execute it when they get back on the phones. And if they do find a mistake we made, we gladly fix it and adjust their score, usually within minutes, which presents another opportunity for us to earn their respect and create a a team building or a team dynamic. The fact is that agents deserve to be shown exactly where and why, in detail, how they fail to get a perfect score. And they must be shown how to fix it so they do not lose points again going forward. If a QA program cannot do this, it will lose agent support, at which point it is done for. After all, how can a QA training program direct agent behavior if it is unable to show agents precisely where they failed to follow directions? You can't just say be warmer. You have to show them where they lacked warmth, what caused it. Such a process does not qualify as a legitimate training or performance management program. 
It just doesn't. The way agents can identify and exploit a program's weaknesses has no bounds. <laughs> At BCI, we go to great lengths to ensure that what we do has no exploitable weaknesses, which is essential to our program's success. Every facet of what we do begins with the question, is there anything about this an agent could consider as unfair or not making complete sense to them? Is it possible for an agent to punch a hole in this? We know that we cannot leave ourselves open to such things to be successful and that it would be unfair to agents to expose them to any such program flaws or weaknesses. We must have a prepared answer that makes sense to them for every question they may have about the program and the process. But this does not mean that they do not occasionally try to find a weakness in what we do. A tiny percent of agents can be quite challenging at times. <laughs> As an example of how far agents can go to try to discredit a program, in my BC introductory classes, BCI introductory classes, I used to mention that back before booking sites, I trained some of the world's top five-star hotels call centers, like Four Seasons and St. Regis in Manhattan, and Mandarin Orientals International Call Centers, one of which in Tokyo I conducted in Japanese. I thought it made for an interesting story to kind of, you know, change things up in the middle of a class, give them something to think about. Well, <laughs> one healthcare call center agent who worked in a billing department contended that because of this, I could not understand the dynamics of healthcare call centers related to how to treat patients and their family members on the phone. I wanted to respond that while she is, of course, welcome to her opinion, and with all due respect, that is kind of like telling Tom Brady that because he won six Super, up seven Super Bowls now as an NFL quarterback, that he's not qualified to show his neighbor's son how to throw a football. <laughs> or that he's not qualified to coach his son's high school football team. But instead, thankfully, I simply explained to her that the reason the world's top five-star hotels offer the world's greatest customer service is not that they are fancy or stuffy or use big words or, you know, foreign accents like a British accent, which was her implication. Rather, it is because they make no mistakes, that they offer flawless service, and I told her that this is what I'm going to teach her to do. <laughs> and that this common misperception regarding customer service, which is that it is about being bold or flashy, that it is about something other than being mistake-free, is the biggest reason why organizations fail to solve their customer service issues. I explained that customer or patient experience excellence is about making no mistakes and being fundamentally flawless always, which is highly detailed and demanding, but actually easy to learn and execute, and that being fancy, flashy, or stuffy are big no-nos. <laughs> At any rate, I no longer mention my five-star hotel training background in classes, as I realized it provides an opening for misunderstanding and criticism. And this is an example of the links to which some agents can go to try to discredit a program. And truthfully, it was my fault for mentioning it and putting this person in that position, as I cannot expect agents like her or any agents 
to appreciate the dynamics of five-star hotels. And I learned my lesson. You have to watch what you say. When it comes to producing a quality QA program, everything must be tight as a drum from every possible angle. Agents deserve it, and a quality QA program requires it. And I will be right back. The other essential aspect of a quality training and performance management program, also known as QA, is that agents must believe in what is being asked of them. If they do not, they will not take the program seriously, rendering the program ineffectual. Our approach to this challenge is to prove to agents that being exceptional makes their job more manageable and pleasant and ultimately makes them feel better about themselves and their job. This is the basis of how we earn their buy-in to our program, and it must be earned. The onus is on us, not the agent. We have to prove that we're worthy of their respect in order to get them to buy in to what we're teaching them. We get this across to them in many ways, but there are two primary ones. The most obvious is showing them how delivering exceptional customer service and the highest standard of professionalism is their best weapon in handling upset, angry, or frustrated customers. Considering such customers are their greatest headache, this is powerful in earning their buy-in. In an episode one of this podcast, I actually read a, an email that I received from an agent telling me how much he appreciated this dynamic of what we taught him to do. We show agents that the best way to de-escalate a tense situation is to not allow it to escalate in the first place. We show them how the simplest and most seemingly non-important mistake in their word choice or manners can easily cause a situation to escalate, and we teach them how to avoid ever making such mistakes. We teach them how to do everything mistake-free and why it is in their benefit to do so. We teach them how being flawless or fundamentally perfect is the answer, and that it requires no added time or effort. And we show them how mastering a few simple words and phrases is the proven answer to de-escalating tense situations. They put these techniques into practice and find that they indeed work just as we said they would. They find that far fewer of their calls escalate and that they are much better at handling those that do. They find that they are in more control of the emotions of those they converse with, a hugely valuable asset for them. The second thing we do is show them how communicating in a highly professional manner directly results in those they are speaking with being more respectful, warm, and cooperative toward them from moment to moment and from word to word throughout their calls. In the process, they can hear how they sound much better and how people treat them better because of it. And this is a big deal for them as it affects every moment they are working on the phone. As Tony Robbins the famous motivational guru says, you may have heard of him, human beings are happiest when they are making progress. That is just one of the most profound things I've ever heard. Perhaps the most truest thing about human nature I've ever heard, that simple phrase. Human beings are happiest when they are making progress. And teaching agents how to be exceptional on the phone 
is a great example of that as it makes them feel better about themselves and their job as they execute their newfound awesomeness. (laughs) Many of the things that create that awesomeness are nuanced and subtle. And we explain to them that the most powerful emotional triggers in a conversation typically are simple one, two, and three-word phrases are some of the most powerful and emotionally impactful tools in their verbal toolbox. We show them how to master them and how doing so empowers them. Today, in our industry, the call center industry, there is much talk about how to empower, inspire, and motivate agents. Well, it has been my experience that the best way to do that is to respect them and appeal to their intelligence, to give them something of substance that can make their job more manageable and less stressful while making them proud of their abilities, and to make the process entirely about them, to put the onus on us, not them. The way to do that is to show them how to be masters at what they do and leave no opportunity for them to have legitimate questions about the program, ours, that is holding them accountable for being masterful. The greatest thing about customer service excellence is that it works for everyone. Customers love it, agents become proud masters of their craft, and organizations get the financial benefit of the creation and maintenance of customer loyalty that they want. And I will wrap up this episode right after this quick break. Okay, lastly, I would like to address agent input in the QA process. Obviously, agent input regarding what they do is an important and positive thing. Agents often have insights, valuable ones, as to how to give and take information and other protocol-related matters. But when it comes to customer service QA, there is a fine line. If agents can find legitimate concerns that point to flaws in a QA program, There is a problem with the program. An agent should not be allowed to dictate how their performance is assessed. That is the role of the QA program. If agents are allowed to, it points to a weakness in the program and undermines its supervisory role, its legitimacy, and its effectiveness. A quality QA program must come to the table with all its bases covered so that agents do not have to be burdened with tweaking it to make it legitimate in their eyes. A QA program must maintain its status as the captain of the customer service ship. It must be able to fully address any agent concerns while being firm in its role as the sole director of the show. And I will wrap up today with this. Call center agents are amazing people who never cease to inspire me and my staff and what a lot of people do not understand, what they do requires a special skill set that most people do not possess. And I tell them that. And their needs and concerns are what will always most matter in any training and performance management process. The role of agents in the QA process is that they are the true stars of the team, and they and their concerns must be treated as such. And I would like to thank you today for listening to Call Center Confidential, 
the podcast that is a conversation about conversations. Call Center Confidential is interactive, so if you would like to ask a question or leave a comment, perhaps play Stump the Expert, just go to our website at www.bci-fit.com, look to the little blue icon at the bottom right, click it, enter your message, you do not have to tell us who you are, and I will address it in an upcoming episode. In fact, I think the next episode is going to be all about questions that I've received, and I'm going to answer them. Okay? Thank you again. And please, please do not tell anyone about this podcast. It's confidential. (laughs) I will see you next time. Call Center Confidential is a production of BCI. It is produced by Daniel Tucci. Music by Julian Bell. Mixing Bright Future Studios. (laughs) 